Welcome to the Gospel Clarity Podcast, where we explore how the story of Jesus changes everything. In order for the gospel to be central, it must be functional. I'm your host, Mark Smith. And my name is Andrew Arthur. Thanks for joining us. We're glad you're here. Welcome to the Gospel Clarity Podcast, Season 1. We're super glad that you're here with us. My name's Mark. And I'm Andrew. Thanks for listening. Uh, We are back after a couple of weeks off and spring break. I hope everyone had a restful time. I know I did, and I am Andrew. My family, we have ventured into T-ball. I love that. We are doing T-ball now, and uh, it's pretty amazing. It's a lot of fun. You're coaching. I'm, I'm actually... I'm not coaching, but I kind of, I'm a very helpful, I'm an active parent. (laughs) And I think what I would see is the good, the good ways. I'm not screaming from the sidelines at, at at the kids. Uh, My son, Not telling Gabriel to hustle? No, I'm telling him to hustle, but I'm not like screaming at him. (laughs) I'm telling him to hustle as a passionate father (laughs) who wants him to succeed. (laughs) Um, No, but my son, Elliot, is three, and he's the youngest player on the whole team. Oh, wow. And so... He started before I did. I started when I was four. Yeah, so I I had an in. And so... Well done. Basically, you know, he's he's starting, and um, he's doing really well, but because he's so young, they're letting me be out there with him and help him out a little bit but i can't touch the ball yeah so he's got to pick it up <laughs> but uh it's a lot of fun man it's yeah, a lot of fun it is i look forward to those you, days do your kids do any sports right now uh delaney was doing basketball with young ballers it's a it's a young baller ministry activity hosted by the shoreline sports foundation and we love it it's once a week one hour going into the going up to the sports foundation shoreline and and have an hour with a coach and playing games with the kids, teaching skills, developing skills. And, and Delaney's done great. She loves it. She has a lot of fun. That's cool. Uh, it's, it's a month-to-month league where you just pay each month, and you can go as often as you want or as many months in a row as you want. Uh, we took this month off, but for the previous couple of months, that's, that's what we did. Hmm. Cool. I think that's one of my favorite things about springtime is you get springtime sports where – I mean, I think of baseball normally when the sun starts coming out, mm-hmm. baseball games are back, and you can start going out, you can play, and uh, I, I love it. I love this this time of the year. It's a great time of year. I love baseball. Yep. Andrew really loves baseball. He loves baseball much more than I do. I'm just a, I'm like a dad right now <laughs> who my kids are doing, so I'm living my my uh, baseball passion through mm-hmm. them. Um yeah. Which so, is a newfound passion. You just learned, you just like fell in love with baseball within the past with, couple of years, right? Yeah, not even the last couple of years. I'm so fresh. I'm so fresh. It is uh, the last year. I, I It's because I went to a Dodgers game, mm-hmm. and they hit over six home runs <laughs> in this game, and yeah. it changed my life. Changed a lot. Then I came back and I said, Andrew, teach me the ways of baseball. Baseball is a beautiful game. It's all about the details. It's a very intricate game, and it helps to watch it with someone who can point out the intricacies so you can understand a little bit of the strategy and the schemes because there is thought going into every single pitch, every single play. Everything is thought about, which is one of the things I love about baseball. Mm-hmm. So let's change courses a little bit, and let's talk about our Gospel Clarity Study Series event yeah, we that just, we just had a couple weeks ago. Right. Just hosted the first one. Was it, was it uh, a little over a week ago? Yeah, a little bit over a week ago. Yeah. 
Yeah, thank you for all of you who have been uh, listening to the podcast and came out to the event. Uh, We really appreciate it. It was a lot of fun, and it was a great time to come and sit all together collectively and study uh, ethnic identity together. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was fantastic. And Andrew, thanks for teaching us for so long. (laughs) <laughs> Three hours. That's not, that's quite a bit of time. Yeah, I was I was very encouraged by the interest that people have shown in it. Not only those who came to it, but those who are asking about the content after the fact, and they're wanting the content to be made available, uh, which we will yep. uh, once it all gets uh, organized and packaged. We'll make the content available mm-hmm. under the heading "The Gospel and Ethnic Identity." And so I was super encouraged by the turnout as well as the interest afterwards of those who might not have been able to make it but are still hungry for exploring and cultivating gospel clarity in this particular direction. Yeah, and we can uh, and just to double back to and what Andrew just said, we are currently editing editing the uh, video right now, and so we will release that um, once it becomes available. Give it a listen, send it to your friends, people in different states perhaps who um, might be interested in this and. Uh, couldn't make it to the event, but then mm-hmm. also to put in your ear, we're going to be doing another one. We have not yet announced well, let, it, though. Let me say this. Along with that video, there's a study guide uh, because oh, we yeah, do, yeah. We do yeah. cover a lot of content. Uh, we mm-hmm. covered a lot of ground in the time that we allotted for this. And so the study guide is a must. <laughs> so if you, uh, if you do watch the video or listen to the audio, and you're going to want the study guide because it will help you track along because we do cover a lot of ground. True. Yeah, they, I'm glad you. I'm glad you said that. Uh, yeah, this isn't. So this isn't perhaps the type of video that you could put on while you're at work. Like you need the study guide because you got to go through it if you really want to learn mm-hmm. um, learn about this subject. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Good. Yeah, and the good thing about the video, you can start and take breaks at your own at your own pace because you know we are talking two and a half hours worth yeah. of worth of content, and um, and so being able to go at your pace to digest to to process and to digest the material um, as you're able would work great. Yeah, awesome. And again, keep listening to the uh, Gospel Clarity podcast, um, which you have been listening to, and you can learn more about that. Uh, this A couple of weeks ago, we did an ethnic identity preview, and so that'll also help kind of lay the groundwork for the event that happened. Um, so what we want to do is we actually want to come back, and we had some questions submitted to us after the event, mm-hmm. and we wanted to answer those questions for you. And again, say thank you to the listeners who are uh, listening to the Gospel Clarity podcast and sending in questions. Um, we love answering questions. We've answered, uh, we're going to answer these ones, and we've also answered ones about old, old, uh, the Old Testament, uh, women in the roles that they played in that. We also answered questions on favorite food in Fremont. So <laughs> we will answer almost anything. Almost anything. <laughs> so anyway, this is... So your challenge as a listener is to come up with the one question we won't answer. And then we will ask it and tell you we're not answering that. <laughs> yeah. So you good. can come up with that one. Yeah. But if you do, but here's the kicker. Uh, if you do get, send us the question that we will not answer, we will happily call you out by name <laughs> and say, <laughs> so yeah. and so, we will not answer your question. <laughs> Okay, anyway, so this is uh, this comes from Brian Solom, mm-hmm. and Brian, uh, he attended our Gospel Clarity Ethnic Identity 
study series evening, and he had two questions that he wanted to ask us, and mm-hmm. we're going to break these up, and we'll do one at a time. And again, Brian, thanks for uh, sending these questions to gospelclarity uh, at hallowschurch.org. This is quite the first question. Does a multi-ethnic church in the macrocosm imply that individual congregations need to be multi-ethnic or else something is wrong with them? That's a great question. Uh, there, there's, there's a lot to it. I think it, um, yeah, I think it, it, it speaks to a couple of things. One, it speaks to the fact that God's universal church is right now multi-ethnic, that God's universal church is a multi-ethnic uh, reality. There are people in various people group amongst all various ethnic linguistic people groups around the world who are worshiping Jesus, and um, so we, we affirm that we believe that. Mm-hmm. And and again, the mission of the church is to reach those those cultures, those people groups that do not yet worship, and right. have them join that same church. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. The God Jesus's commissioning of us is to cross every culture and mm-hmm. to penetrate every people group with the reality of the gospel so that more and more people, more and more diverse peoples will comprise the kingdom of God and be a part of the big C universal church. Mm-hmm. As it relates to, does that mean that every local church must be multi-ethnic? Um, that's, that's a question I would probably, I'm going to, when I think about that, I'm thinking in terms of uh, context. Mm-hmm. I think that a local church should be a reflection of where she lives and where she serves Jesus. And so if we live in an urban context that is that is comprised of various is of much ethnic diversity, if we are engaging our community, if we are a part of the world in which we live, that is the the uh, the close world that we are in, um, then if that world is multi-ethnic, then our church should be a reflection of that context. There are some churches that uh, are in more uh, mono-ethnic regions of the country and regions of the world, and as a result, they are not going to be multi-ethnic because the demographics do not um, lend themselves to that expression. Mm-hmm. And so I don't think there's anything wrong with those churches yeah. <laughs> because obviously they are where they are and they're a reflection of where they are. Yeah. I mean, and that makes me think about um, cross-cultural missions. You know, the goal of a, of going to a cross-cultural mission um, on a mission trip sometimes doesn't always have to be um, encouraging the the congregation to be multi-ethnic. Sometimes it's it, it doesn't the context doesn't allow itself right. that um, going into Cambodia. You know, you want to reach as many people in that Cambodian village as you can, mm-hmm. right? But right. you shouldn't pressure the the church to be reaching um, the people who aren't, who don't live there, maybe like the Americans or something who are just kind of passing through. Mm-hmm. Um, it would be an encouragement to bring them to the church. But if we're talking about language and translations and all of these things, I think the, the healthier, uh, the healthier mission for that church is to reach their local mm-hmm. community and context. Yeah. And, and if you were talking about an unreached people group, then the church needs to reach that unreached people group. Mm-hmm. And so as a disciple is made and as that disciple turns around and starts making more disciples that would later comprise a church amongst that people, it makes sense that that church for a considerable amount of time will likely be mono-ethnic. They're probably not going to be crossing cultures just yet. Um, but as the church matures and as the church grows, 
um, they're going to be on board with what Jesus has commissioned every church in every context and every setting to do, which is to um, go and make disciples of all nations, of all ethnic linguistic peoples. One of the ways that we defined ethnic identity at the at our study series was that a person's ethnic identity it 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 is something that runs far deeper than race, um, because race kind of locates a person identity a person's identity. Um, on external appearance and biological factors. But a person's ethnic identity runs far deeper than that because it accounts, it takes into consideration language, history, geography, culture. And so you have two people who may look alike in terms of race, but be completely different due to their ethnic identity. And so on one hand, you're getting to know someone on a superficial level. On the other hand, you're getting to know a person on a more substantial level. And so if race is the issue, then that's kind of a superficial, um, uh, superficial approach to relating to someone. Ethnic identity, that's more substantial, that's more story-oriented, that is actually getting to know a person and a people group. And since language factors into a person's ethnic identity, it also makes sense that there are different ethnic linguistic peoples who are worshiping Jesus in their heart language. And you never want to force ethnic diversity in a local church if that would betray or if that would le- if that would lead to barriers a linguistic barriers being created between the congregations and it making making it difficult for disciples to understand what's being taught or to participate in the singing of the church and so we gather our Freeman expression rent space from Emmanuel Bible Church and in this church building our church is an English speaking church uh, we have ethnic di- diversity in our community, but we all speak English. We share that in common. There is, which makes it easier, easy for us to kind of uh, to move in that direction together. But there's an Ethiopian church that also meets in this same building, and their their l- English skills aren't as mature, aren't as developed. They are gathering together. It's a it's a very mono ethnic church, a mono ethnic community but they all speak the same language. And I would not say that because they are like that, that there's something wrong with them. I would say they are who they are, and they are worshiping Jesus in their language. And those who speak that language should join them in doing so. So we wouldn't want to impose a critique upon a congregation that is rallying around their shared language Mm -hmm. and their shared speech. Uh, But what we can do is we can take our congregation with with the Hallows Church, and we can befriend their congregation, and we can look for ways to partner together in ministry experiences, partner together in different fellowships and mills that we might be able to share between their congregation and our congregation, something that has been done between them and Emmanuel Bible Church and something that we're going to be invited into in the future and start building relationships and partnerships outside of uh, what might take place on a in a Sunday worship gathering and outside of what might constitute a local church's identity in their particular language, um, um, the, the particular language that they utilize in their worship. To summarize, we would say to answer this question, um, does a church need to be multi-ethnic or else something is wrong with them? Just as a quick summary, mm-hmm. our answer would be no, not necessarily. Right, not necessarily. Not necessarily, because it depends on the context to which that individual church is. 
is Ann. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the church should be a reflection of their community should and be of a their reflection. context. Yeah. Yep. And if um, if they live in a, an ethnically diverse area where language isn't a barrier, then they should probably make strides in becoming a multi-ethnic church. Right. If cool. language is a barrier, um, they should find ways to establish churches um, centered around the language that is spoken Mm-hmm. And then build partnerships and relationships uh, with each, with different congregations, so that we can um, learn more about the diversity of God's kingdom and the diversity of God's church. Yeah, great. Well, thanks again for uh, that question, Brian. And uh, this is to the next one. So the next question is. How does one reconcile the takeaway to develop genuine friendships with people? of other ethnicities with with the words in James to not show partiality or make distinctions between people? That's a great question. I really like that question. Um, it's, it's interesting because right now I think the tendency is to show partiality for people who, who are with, uh, for people who are like us, uh, that look like us, talk like us, act like us. We just kind of default in that direction. Um, and so, we have to be careful not to not to show partiality to people that we look like, but that pendulum can be moved to the opposite side of the of the of the of the equation, where we react and say, "Okay, I'm I'm going to ignore people who are like me and show partiality for people who are not in pursuit of ethnic uh, those who are ethnically distinct or diverse from ourselves." And so it's interesting how that pendulum can swing from one side of the spectrum to the next. But like all things, good theology lives in the middle of the room. Good Christianity lives in the middle of the room, avoiding extremes at all costs. And so we want to certainly commend. We, we show no partiality in the church between rich and poor, uh, between genders, between the races, between different ethnic identities. We don't want to prefer anyone over the other. And so we want to be very clear in our preaching and in our teaching and then also in our relational interacting as followers of Jesus in the church. We want to be very clear about that. But we also want to be careful that we're not moving the pendulum from one side to the next and we get imbalanced in the other in the other direction. An example of that would be in Paul with uh, would be with Peter in Galatians chapter two, right? When Paul's calling him out for showing partiality to the Jewish leaders, mm-hmm. right? Uh, yeah, he was he was eating, fellowshipping with the non-Jewish people, mm-hmm. and then this crowd came in, this crowd of Jewish leaders, and he got up from the table and went and acted like he wasn't <laughs> in fellowship with these Gentiles in the church, and and so that that's just kind of the default mode of the sinful heart that we prefer. Um, those who look like us, talk like us, act like us, that which is familiar to us. And so Peter, even though he was a Christian, (laughs) he still had room to grow in this area. Mm -hmm. And so Paul called him out on it. Um, And so that, that, that partiality is something that um, must be resisted on every front. Yeah. And that's the, and would you say that that's the partiality that uh, James is, is referring to? Well, I think specifically James is talking about partiality between rich and poor. Oh, okay. Um, I don't think he's talking explicitly about Jew and Gentile relations. Oh, okay. But yeah. I think the principle 
and the analogy easily transfers to Jew and Gentile relations or to um, ethnic diversity where we are not to show partiality for any reason. Right, right. Um, The uh, one thing that came to mind in relation to the first question about should a church be multi-ethnic and if they're not multi-ethnic, is there something wrong with that church? While saying, yes, uh, fundamentally, churches should reflect their context and the context in which they're in. But I also want to add to that that Paul worked really hard to bring ethnic diversity together in the church. When Paul was traveling yeah, through the first century, he mm-hmm. would plant a church and he worked hard to bring Jews and Gentiles together to experience harmony and to showcase God's reconciling grace to the watching world in these local churches. Just about every church has a mixture of Jews and Gentiles in the New Testament. And so it was very important to Paul to bring these worlds together. He was not content with planting a Jewish church on one part of the, on one part of the town and then in the other part of the town planting a Gentile church. No, he brought he there was one church he was seeking to plant mm-hmm. and he was bringing these two different ethnic identities together in one local church. And so I think we have to listen hard to the New Testament, and we have to look deeply at Paul's example and the effort he put into seeing different diverse peoples come together in the church. And that has to inform our convictions on this matter, and that has to inform our approach to planting churches and to growing churches um, in in these directions. Yeah, that's great. Well, if you have any other questions, feel free to email us at gospelclarity at org. And thank you again for listening, and we'll see you next time.